Good morning, One Church. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you so much for hanging out with us live here. Thank you very much. You're very, very kind. However, heckle, hecklers will be sent to the door. Just saying. So uh, it is my birthday. So thank you so much, guys. Um, we are in week two of our series entitled Revised. And I'm really excited about this, this series because we've been looking at this that all of us, we want to live a big life. We want to live a really big, huge, technicolor life. We want to live a life that uh, when we get in our old age and we're kind of telling our story to people, the people are kind of scratching their head and they're wondering, did that really happen that way? All of us, we want to live a big life like that, but so many of us, we look at our lives and our, our real life, our Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday life is so far from that. So far removed from that that none of us, we, we, after a while we just start thinking, you know what, maybe I'm just made just to just exist. And if that's where you're at today, I want to let you know you're not made just to exist. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 10 verse 10. He says, I came so that you can have real and eternal life. More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. How many of y'all ever, you got some wild dreams? All right? We got some crazy people here in one church. And I know y'all. Y'all got some wild dreams. And what God is saying is as much as you like to dream big, God's plan for your life is even bigger than that. And if you just find your life has just gotten into a rut and you're just kind of existing, I hope that this short series is really going to be able to push you out of that, out of your comfort zone, and so that you can be able to see that your life, that true big story of a life that you and I want to live, it is attainable through Jesus when Jesus intersects your story. Last week, we looked at a guy who had a past And because this guy had a past and done a lot of bad stuff, he had this idea that all of that bad stuff trumped the big story that he wanted to have for his life. And we saw that Jesus, when he intersects somebody who has a really bad past, it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is bigger than your past. Today, we're going to be looking at a story that many of you, even if you didn't grow up in church, you you would know this story. But the story that we're looking at today is really talking a lot about fear. Fear. Because many times it's our fear that keeps us from living that really big life that we all of us so long for. I mean, think about this. If I were to ask you the question, what do you fear? What do you fear? What's your everyday fear? All right. And then what is like your big, really big honking fear? that you, you probably wouldn't tell a lot of people. I mean, just, just marinate that on that just a little bit. What would that be? Just your everyday fear, maybe fear of spiders, maybe fear of snakes, fear of clowns, okay? Um, but even bigger than that, what is the one fear in your life that it just seems like you're, just, you're scared to death of? That if this one thing happens, it's all over. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Over in the over in the Bible, we see that many times that it's fear that keeps people from living that big life and that big story. And I think one of the biggest things that many of us fear is the fear of failure. It's the fear of, you know, what if I swing big and I strike out big? What if I, you know, what if I uh, 
I mean, just go big and I blow it big. What if there's egg on my face? None of us like to fail. And many of us, we would probably say our biggest fear is a failing. Maybe failure in a relationship, failure in a family, maybe failure in a job. But it's failure. And we're going to see that all throughout the Bible, God calls us to obedience. But really, there's two mindsets that we can have. We have this mindset of faith. That You know what? Okay, we acknowledge God is in control. And that no matter what, you know what? I, 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 I may be shaky a little bit, but you know what? I trust in God and I have faith in God no matter what the circumstance. Or there's this other thing that, you know what? I have fear. And I don't trust in God. And I want to control the situation because I feel like he doesn't have it. And that he is not in control. And there's really, it's, it's, a, it's a yin and yang of it. It's a black and white of it. It is darkness and light. It's fear and faith. And what are you going to choose? What am I going to choose? What are you afraid of? Uh, it was so funny. Last year, my uh, boys and I and my wife, we went... Uh, during our fall break, we went to St. Louis and we went to the City Museum. How many of y'all ever been to the City Museum? Anybody? So it's, it's a funky place. All right, let me show you some pictures. All right, the City Museum it used to be an old shoe factory, and it's 15 stories high in downtown St. Louis. If you've not been, you really need to go. All right, you really owe it to yourself. And if you got kids, uh, you need to take them there, and then you need to leave. All right. Um, here is a part of the city museum, and what it was, this guy bought it, and he had this weird idea, I'm going to take a bunch of junk, and I'm going to weld it together, and literally you can climb on any and everything, all right? This is the outside of the museum, here's the inside, 600 square feet worth of stuff that you can climb in. Now, I got three boys, all right? Uh, and then with me, and then I got a beautiful lady, Kim. And, you know, I got a 5-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And, you know, the 14-year-old and the 8-year-old, they're gone. I mean, there's uh, you really can't see it, but up in here, there's all of these, uh, uh, up above all of this stuff, there's like tubes and stuff you can get in. And I'm not worried about my 14-year-old and 8-year-old. They can take care of themselves. My 5-year-old, though, I don't know where he's at. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little scared. I'm a little freaked out. Now, here's another picture. I mean, literally, you can climb on anything and everything. 600,000 square feet worth of just warehouses just of over and over that you can climb on. They've got tons of slides. Here's a picture of a slide. In fact, they got this one slide that goes down for 10 stories. The worst part about that slide was getting to the top. <laughs> just saying, all right? I mean, it had all of this stuff. Here's another picture, all right? Now, here's the thing. On top of the 15-story city museum, there is a big Ferris wheel that's four stories itself. And I love rides. I love rides, okay? So I had my, my three boys, my wife, and I said, hey, let's go on the Ferris wheel. And nobody would go with me. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to go. So I got on the Ferris wheel, and it was really windy. It was October. It was cold. I had so much fun. I never could get my 14-year-old or my 8-year-old on there. But I was able to get my 5-year-old son, Bing, on there. And Bing got on there with his granddad. And you're going to see a a video of (laughs) Bing's getting on there, and he's screaming. The woman yelling in the background is my wife. 
right, it's really, really funny. Y'all watch this. Um, hey, Bing. Wave. Hold on to him, Dan. Where is he at? <laughs> Don't you hate that when you get to the top and you just stop? Right? Oh my gosh. Once he's screaming, it's windy. What's so cool? Another thing, I got pictures. I didn't put them on there, but I got pictures when he's coming off. Bing is like, like this. He is so excited. He did. He wasn't really old enough to think, you know, maybe I should be afraid. But what's so cool about that is this: is my two older kids. They didn't get to the very the highest point that you could get on the city museum. But my boy Bing, he did. And and the reason why my other two didn't get there is because of fear. And I wonder if we're not quite like my other children in the fact that God wants to do some really big, amazing things. He wants to give us some really big views and perspective on top. But many times our fear keeps us from there, keeps us from getting and seeing big picture type of stuff. I think that is where God wants to take our faith. But what's, what we see is so many times God wants to bring watershed moments in our lives, times where we have to, we, there's some turbulence and it kind of gets bumpy and where it's a little choppy, but God wants to show us a big life. This just happened this morning. As I was backstage as worship was going in, my wife comes up to me and my, my middle son, Jed, he's wanting to go out for soccer. And so we're going to take him and get him signed up for soccer today. But he's talking to Kim. This is while I'm, you know, setting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. But he's talking to my wife this morning. He says, well, Mom, what if I, what if I can't kick the ball? What if I can't keep the ball in between my feet? And, and Kim is like, you know, your coach will show you how to do that. But it's like so many times we want to try out for the team. We want to do it. But we don't, we don't want to be looked like the fool and we don't want to fail. And many times it's our fears that keep us from going out and doing some really big, amazing things. I think the same feelings that you and I have about that, or that our children have about that, is the same feelings that the people we read in the Bible have. Because Jesus, he had 12 guys that he hung out with. We call them disciples. Some churches call them saints. To be honest with you, I think they were just like you and me. These were people. These were guys. There were some people who just had hang-ups, but they were just real. In fact, I want to show you a clip 
from a new series that's coming out on March the 3rd. It's called The Bible. Mark Burnett, the person who created Survivor. Anybody Survivors? Anybody like Survivor? All right. Nobody in here? Seriously? All right. Well, anyway. Um, what, what about the, you know, the Apprentice? Anybody Apprentice? You fired? Am I the only one up on stage? Is, are y'all listening to me? Is this on? Anyway, well, anyway, Mark Burnett and his wife, uh, they're doing a 10-week series on the Bible. And it's going to be starting on History Channel on March the 3rd. And here's a clip of it. Let's watch this clip. Why did he walk away just when we're getting strong? Surely a messiah wouldn't leave us like this. A messiah should be a a warrior, a conqueror like David. Judas, force is not the way. So tell me what the way of messiah is. He's different. But Mary, what if he's not the one? We're risking our lives. For what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Come on. He'll not fail us. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Let's go!
you need to be strong. Wow, I love that clip. What's so cool about that, this isn't even aired yet. We've been able to get this straight uh, uh, from Mark Burnett and his production company. It's so really, really cool. I hope you really enjoy this. It's going to be 10 weeks where we're going to be looking at it. Well, you just saw the clip. Let's look and let's dig in to God's Word. This is found in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be starting in verse 22. Uh, this is what it says. Immediately... After this, well, after what? You have to look at the context, but after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake where he sent the people home, while he sent the people home. All right? So Peter and his friends, they get into this little boat one afternoon to cross the Sea of Galilee. Jesus wanted to be alone, so he sends his disciples away, and Peter gets into the boat. Now, here's the thing. Peter's occupation before following Jesus was what? Anybody remember? He was a fisherman. Exactly right. He was at home in this boat. He knew the Sea of Galilee. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is a very small sea. It's, I would call it even maybe even a lake. Very, very small, about 17 acres Um, And he gets on this boat, and he has been on a boat. He's hung out in boats all of his life, all right? So he is at home, all right? So here's what happens. Verse 23, afterward, he went up into the hills by himself, Jesus did, to pray. Night fell while he was there. What's that next word? Alone. Alone. Jesus is no longer with his disciples. Jesus has stayed behind to pray while he sent the crowds away. And his disciples start on this journey along the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were no longer with Jesus. All right? he had, they had learned and observed this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And now Jesus sends them away. It's like God is getting ready to give them a pop quiz. Okay, here's what you just learned now what have you learned? And he gives them a pop quiz. I remember pop quizzes. I hated pop quizzes. Right? Pop quizzes are good if you study. Pop quizzes aren't so good when you don't. How many of y'all ever prayed, God, you didn't study, but you prayed to Jesus? How many of y'all? Dear Jesus, let me understand. You know, <laughs> that very rarely ever works. Right? There's something about that. Peter and the other disciples, they've learned a lesson, or they should have learned a lesson from the feeding of the 5,000. And now, Jesus is sending them away and say, okay, what have you learned? Look at what it says, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. I mean, look at that verse. They're far away, they're in trouble, far away, strong wind, heavy waves. That's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. Have you ever felt alone? You ever felt like... God led you into a storm? You ever felt like God like led you to a dead end? I wonder if that's exactly what these disciples were feeling. That Jesus, he's the one who told us to get into the boat, and now we're in the middle of a storm. Many times God allows storms to come in our lives so that he can calm the storm and allow our faith to grow. Many times, God allows storms in our lives so that we can be able to rise above our circumstances and literally walk on top of them. Because that's what we're going to see Peter do in this instance. 
Now, what's amazing in this, whatever storm you're at this morning, it may be a health storm, you may be in a financial tsunami right now, you may have relationships just struggling over tides of doubt and despair, whatever it is, you need to know that Jesus is praying for you in the middle of your storm. Look at verse 23. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. What was Jesus praying? Who was Jesus praying for? I believe he was praying for his disciples. He he was up on a mountain. I don't know if he could see the disciples or if the storm was that bad. But he's there, and even when they are alone, even though Jesus' presence isn't with them, Jesus is with them in spirit. I love what Romans 8.34 says, that Jesus is still praying for us. That even when you're in the midst of your storm and you and I feel most alone, that Jesus is right there with us. Many times God pulls back from us to allow us to see how far we can make it and what we have learned. All of those who have children, who have taught children to ride bikes, know this, don't we? All of us. I remember, all right, I remember even though I'm getting older in age, I remember like it was yesterday because it was a traumatic event, me trying to learn how to ride a bicycle. I was eight, nine, I don't know exactly when it was, but we didn't, we didn't have an asphalt. We had this big, long gravel road. And you don't learn to ride a bicycle on gravel, okay? So we actually learned how to, I learned how to ride a bike in the grass. Because if you fell, at least you fell on hard dirt, right? Just saying, grass, yeah. So, I, and I remember... You know, going down the hill, like, Dad, okay, looking back, Dad, you know, don't let go. Don't let go, Dad, right? And he was going, okay, son, okay. My dad's a liar (laughs) because he let go. And you know what? You do too because eventually parents have to let go because bike riding is a solo event. It is. And I think in that same way, many times, God allows us to learn some things, and then he lets us go to see how far we can make it on this ride of faith. And for us to be able to see just how far we can make it as well. This is huge. All right? Now, I love how this says right here, um, because parents, you can't learn to ride. Your children are never going to learn to ride if you never let go. And sometimes you're going to have bumps and bruises. But look what it says in verse 24 and verse 25. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. Look at this. About when? Three. How many of y'all were awake at 3 o'clock this morning? Anybody? Nobody? Uh, quite a bit of y'all. They're gone. I need to go to sleep. All right? Let me tell you, if you awake at 3 o'clock in the morning, something has went terribly awry. Right? I'm just saying. Um, I mean, they pushed away from shore when it was probably still daylight. And now it's 3 o'clock in the morning. If you do the math, that's about nine hours of rowing, nine hours of being in a boat. There's blisters on your hands. You're waterlogged. There's not one dry inch on your body. All right? And they are tired. They're probably looking at the sides of the boat thinking, I wish this boat was thicker, and I wish the sides were taller. They're not even worried about getting across to the other side. They're just worried about staying in one piece. I mean, they have fought and fought and struggled and fought in this storm, and they feel like they are getting ready to all for the whole ship to break up, this little small boat to break up. And Peter, even though he knows storms and even though he knows this lake, he realizes he's in trouble. 
he is in trouble. They've been rowing for nine hours. Matthew 14, verse 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. One of the disciples noticed a shadow moving toward them on the water. As it got closer, it became apparent that it was a figure of a human being walking on the water. Now take a moment to let that image sink in. The 12 were in distress, and the person who was able to help them was approaching them. But he was boatless, and he didn't, that didn't seem to bother him. And the disciples didn't recognize him. The disciples were convinced it's a ghost. they terrified. They cry out. And they're wondering, who is it going to be? Who else could it be? But Matthew wants us to know that sometimes it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. Often in the middle of the storm, tormented by the waves of disappointment and doubt, we are no better at recognizing God and his fingerprints than the disciples are. We struggle to see God in our circumstances. But many times, God is right there. Look at what it says in verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. I love this. This is great. What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. He says something else. He says, take courage and I am here. Let's talk about those three statements. Don't be afraid. Jesus doesn't, he's not like Tim Robbins and say, okay, listen, let's just have a more positive attitude, can we? That's not what he's doing here. He's not, you know what, if you could just change your mind, you could change your outlook, and you can be a better person. That's not what Jesus is doing here. He says, don't be afraid, why? And then he says, not only don't be afraid, but take courage. How can you not be afraid? How can you not have courage? And here. It's the last part of this sentence that really gives us the key. I am here. Last night, sorry, I've got my children all in this message. Last night I come home, and I'm getting ready to get in bed, and Bing starts crying. My five-year-old starts crying. And I go to his room, and he's, and he's, he's crying. He says, I can't find it. I can't find it. And I'm like, what in the world? You know? So I'm like, what can't you find? You know? And he's, I can't, and I'm talking to him. I'm Thinking logically, not realizing he's in a dream. So I'm like, okay. So I'll rub his back. Everything's okay. We'll find it later. You know, I don't know. Uh, and let's get back to sleep, and I'll put him back down. There's, there's something about, we all know what the monsters look like underneath our beds and in our closets. But this, there's, there's the presence of a mom or a dad that can calm fears, isn't it? I mean, if I asked you, everybody who has children or all of you who's been a child, the times when you've been afraid and your mom or dad got in your bed, and it just made it all right. Made it all right. What made it all right? Their presence. Jesus is with them in the middle of the storm. And his presence makes it all right. I like that. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I'm doing my quiet times every day, and I'm reading the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43.1 says this. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now this is what the Lord says, Fear not. Do you know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? Fear not. There it is. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters... 
I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I wonder if this is one of the, the, the verses the disciples were thinking when they were tossed around in that boat getting ready to lose their cookies. I love that. We don't know how 11 of these guys responded, but we do know how one of them responded. Peter was about to live a big story. Peter was about to become a water walker. He recognized God's presence, even in the most unlikely place. He realized this was an extraordinary opportunity for a spiritual adventure and growth. So Peter gets an idea, verse 28. Then Peter called to him, Lord... If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Okay, Jesus, if it's really you, all right? If it's Casper, don't say nothing. But Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. (laughs) And Jesus says, yes, come. Jesus said, so Peter, whoa, what do you do at this moment? I mean, Peter, is he's the type of dude, when he had nothing to say, he said something. He always had his foot in his mouth. Keep that verse up there if you would. I mean, he has a dilemma. He threw it out there, and Jesus has invited him. Come on. Walk with me. Walk with me. What do you do when you're Peter? You've got a choice to make. I mean, you see Jesus. Jesus just invited you to go on the adventure of a lifetime. Nobody else has ever walked on water before then and after then. Just Jesus. And now Jesus is inviting you to do something impossible that makes no sense. Jesus is inviting Peter to live a bigger story. You're scared to death. I mean, what is Peter going to choose? The water? Or the boat. Now, the boat is safe. The boat is secure. The boat is comfortable. On the other hand, the water's rough. The waves are high and the wind is strong. There's a storm out there, but Jesus is in the storm out there. And Jesus is wanting to make your story big. What do you do? What do you do? Do you stay in the boat? If you get out of the boat, there's no guarantee certainty. But here's the thing. If you don't get out of the boat, there's, you're definitely not going to walk on water. So you got a choice. Stay in comfort. Take a risk. I believe that there's something, that there's someone inside of us that tells us that life is more than just sitting in a boat. I believe that there's something inside of us that says that we are made for something more than just avoiding failure. There's something inside of you that wants to walk on water. There's something inside of me that wants to get out of the comfort and the routine of just existing and to abandon yourself to high adventure of following God. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. So let me ask you a question. What is your boat? What is your boat right now? Your boat is whatever represents safety and security apart from God. Your boat is whatever you're tempted to put your faith in when times get tough, when, you're, when the life gets a little stormy. Your boat is whatever keeps you comfortable, that you don't want to give up, even if it's keeping you from being with Jesus on the waves. 
Whatever pulls you away from a reckless abandon to God, that's your boat. Want to know what your boat is? It's that fear I asked you at the beginning. What's your big, big fear? What's the one big thing? It may, for some of you, it may be the security of leaving a long-time job. But others of you, it may be a relationship. You know it's a spiritual mismatch and you're dating, but you know you shouldn't be dating. For others of you, you know it's secrecy. You tell yourself it's just a mild addiction, that you could stop at any time. But that secrecy is your boat. It's your comfort zone. What is your boat? In what area of your life are you shrinking back from fully and courageously trusting God? I'll never forget, I was asked that question about eight years ago. I went to a women's conference. I don't know what in the world I was thinking. I went to a Beth Moore women's conference in Kansas City. There were 14,000 women there and me. Yeah, oh, it was great. So, um, but I, I tell you, I love Beth Moore. I love hearing her speak, all right? And um, I, I remember her speaking. She, she was speaking on fear. <laughs> and she asked people to come up from the audience. And she pointed to people. And then she saw me because I was one of the only guys there. And she asked me to come up on stage. And she, the question she asked me was the question I asked you. What is your everyday fear? And what is your biggest fear? And I told her my everyday fear was not being able to provide for my family. If you're a guy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But my biggest fear was harming the body of Christ. And you know, over the past eight years, God has, has let me come face to face with those two biggest fears to realize that God is bigger than my biggest fear. And I think one of the biggest reasons why God... Jesus showed up in Peter's life at this moment and said, go ahead and get out of the boat. It's because God, Jesus was going to confront Peter with his biggest fear. And for you to be used greatly by God, Jesus is going to have to bring you face to face with your biggest fear because God is bigger than any of our fears. Verse 29, Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. Our big idea today is this. If you operate out of fear... You will say no when God says go. Faith always requires a risk because the goal, God's goal, isn't for us to be comfortable. It's for us to find freedom. It isn't safety. I love that. So Peter goes over the side of the boat. I love in that video. I mean, how many of y'all have ever, like, done the splits trying to get out of a boat onto a dock? I have. You know, there's just no graceful way. Right, you're on the boat and you're trying to go over, and and I've done this. But how many of y'all ever stood up in a canoe? You only did that once, right? I'm just saying, you stand up a canoe, and a millisecond later, you swimming, right? But Peter, he's got he's got both of his hands white knuckling the gunnels of that boat, and he's stepping out, and he's stepping out onto the water, and then he gets his other leg out. And he's hanging on. And then all of a sudden. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. He is walking on water. Wow. Who would have thought this? Who Who would have known? 
that I would be out here in the middle of a storm walking on water with Jesus. I mean, what an amazing story. Man, it's just like for those milliseconds, it's just Peter and Jesus. It's like seeing your little baby walking for the first time. You're like, you know. I'm sure that's exactly how Jesus felt. He had a big smile on his face. I'm sure. And then it says in this next verse that Peter saw something. Look at what it says. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And then what happened? He sank. You see the progression there? When he saw the strong wind. By the way, the wind and the waves were there all the time. That That shouldn't have been a surprise to Peter. What Peter did differently is he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at his circumstances. And any time you take your eyes off God and put them on your circumstances, you will sink. Always. And then Peter, he prayed the shortest prayer in history. Most of us, when you get in a bad problem, you, you know, you're singing kumbaya and, you know, mighty to save, right? And you're like, oh, man, God, we pray for the missionaries. And, you know, no. Peter says, Lord, save me. Every one of those words are important. Lord, you've got it. He is in control. You are the master. Save. I need something and not just save anybody, me. And then... What does what happens here? I love this. Now, most people here, most pastors would totally say, man, did Peter fail? Don't answer that question. Because everybody say, man, Peter's a failure and all of this, and we'd rag on Peter. Let me tell you, I don't think Peter failed. Peter walked on water. Has anybody else walked on water? I float. I don't walk on water. I don't think Peter was a failure. You know who I think the failures were? The 11 back in the boat. Because, you know, it's easy for us to yell at Peter and say, Peter, because he, he did it publicly. And he went down publicly. But the other 11 yahoos were hanging on to the boat going, Ooh, I'm not leaving, not leaving, not one bit. I think so many times we want to criticize people publicly But we are not willing to go out big on faith and to see that big story. Look at what happens. Only Peter knew the the, the glory of walking on water. Only Peter knew the intimacy of Jesus reaching out his hand and saying, I got you. Look at what it says in these last verses. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, what happened? Now, quick question. Leave that one up there. How do you think Peter got back to the boat? Here's what I think. I don't think he swam. I think Peter walked back with Jesus. Do you think Peter ever took his eyes off Jesus? Nope. He learned that lesson, right? But look at, let me show you another lesson that he learned. That as soon as after he learned the lesson, he gets into the boat, what happens? The winds stop. When do the winds, when do the problems stop for you and I? When the storms happen, when God allows us to learn what you and I have learned. And for some of us, we're, got, we're saying, God, please let it stop. Please let it stop. And God's saying, you haven't learned it yet. 
Some of you, you've been in a storm for six months, six years, and you're going to keep on staying in that storm until you learn your lesson. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you, y'all ever known anybody that's like failed a grade? All right? Absolutely. All right? I'm not going to say how many of you was y'all. I'm just saying. All right? Third, third grade was the best eight years of my life. Right? But you will keep on going third grade until you learn the lesson. And some of you, and hear me, just because you're old in your faith and you're 60 years old, and people think, well, because you're old, you have it all together. No, some of you might have it all together. Others of you, you just might have failed for the past 35 years because you've never learned what God has wanted you to learn. What is God trying to teach you here? When you learn that, then, and only then, the wave stopped. Last verse, what's the point? The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I love this. What does God want you to learn right now in the storms of your life? What type of comfort zone is God calling you out of and is wanting to blow up your story in a really awesome, cool, big way? He's wanting to paint your story in such amazing technicolor fury that everybody will just marvel at the wonders of the masterpiece he's painting with you. But you're like, no, I don't really like orange. And red's kind of offensive. And blue, you know, and, and after a while, you and I, we will live a grayscale kind of life. And God is calling us to something more. Because when Jesus intersects our story, He wants to change you. As I close, I don't think I have um, any questions. I want to say this. Some of you, you may have been, you don't know about the whole God, Bible, Jesus thing, but one of your big hang-ups is, you know what? I really don't want to become a Jesus freak. I don't really, you know, some of those people kind of scares me. I want to just say, sometimes they scare me too. But let me tell you this. God will change every part about you, but you will still be you. God's not calling you to be like Chris. We've already got enough Chris's in the world. God is, call- God is, calling-, God is calling you to be you, but he's going to call you to be a better you than even you think you can be. He- he's not asking you to take your personality and to b- do whatever with it. He's wanting you to become you. But take your story. Make it amazing. Are you going to let your fear rob you of God doing that? What are you afraid of? Let God confront that fear. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much, Lord, that, Lord, we can look at a story like this, Lord, that's so practical, but it's very difficult. Because all of us, we've been in those storms. We know what it's like. We know the fear of it. We know what it feels like just to have no hope and feel like we're alone. We know what it feels like for us to be comfortable. Lord, I pray for the men and women, the students in here, our teenagers, children. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to live big lives. Not so that we will get the glory, because it's not about us, God. It's all about you. You're the main story. Lord, I pray that you would allow our fears 
to be vanquished and that faith would grow big so that people would be able to see a big God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.